work you put into the, into the slide. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to use any of those scriptures I sent you. Um, I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to, to uh, change the scripture for this morning and the message for this morning as I was sitting there listening to you all talk. Um, so if you have your Bibles, it's not going to be on the screen. You should probably bring your Bibles to church. If not, uh, the Bible app, you can get your phone out. Please don't be on Facebook. I'm just kidding. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, and we'll start at verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. And I know where time is of the essence here, um, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Matthew 16, 13. If you are on the Bible app, I'm, I'm in the NLT version. might help you follow along a little bit better. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Your version might say, who do men say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven." that he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Let's pray, and we'll hop into it. Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you so much for the outpouring of love that has uh, been given from one to another this morning, Lord, but we, we give that love to one another because you first loved us, God, and we know that your love uh, you know, extends to each and every person in this room. God, I pray that you would uh, help us, Lord, to, to grow closer to you today. Lord, I pray a blessing over the River Church. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people. God, I pray that you would continue to bless this church and continue to grow this church, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 When I was sitting there um, listening to you all talk, um, you know, it's obviously... Um, very flattering to hear the words of what you guys had to say, and we all, with a very humble heart, accept those things. But the church, at the end of the day, what would the pastors be without the people? Amen? Amen. What would we be without anybody that comes here? At the end of the day, the church is you. The church, you are the church. We are the church. Really, at the end of the day, uh, I've heard Michael say this before, and this is very true, that this, even these, you know, uh, center block walls, this is not the church. The church is the people. If, if God forbid, this building caught on fire uh, tomorrow and we had to find somewhere new to have church next Sunday, we would do that. Because this church, our church, the church, is the people. It's the people. That's who it is. And, and the church is the people. And, and so at the end of the day, you know, any sort of recognition we get, um, it, it all goes back to you all. Um, you know, the, the church, you, the, it is the people um, that, that make it up. Well, we find ourselves here in Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 13. And Jesus goes up to his disciples, and he asks them a very interesting question. He says, who do you say that I am? Who, who do people say that I am? That's the first question he asks. And, you know, I think that's a pretty interesting question, right? Because I think that uh, if we were, you know, to scan the broad culture of America, a lot of people, 
maybe have that question in their mind. You know, who is Jesus? Who is, who is this Jesus that I've heard about before? What's God like? You know, what, what, is, what is Jesus like? I've, I've heard a little bit about Jesus, but who is he? And I think God would be asking that same question to us today. Who do people out there say that I am? Who do people on the streets say that I am? Jesus would ask us that question this morning. And, and maybe uh, I'll ask you the question, who do people say that Jesus is? That's not a rhetorical question. Maybe somebody, somebody can raise some hand and give some answers. Who do people in common culture today, you know, what, who do they say Jesus is? A good teacher. A good teacher, right? Somebody else. Son of God. Son of God. Yeah, that, that would definitely be an answer that people give. Anybody else? God. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, that, would be, that would be an answer that some people give. Love. They would say that Jesus is, is love. That's good. That's good. I think that's all right. I think that there's a lot of, maybe some even other answers out there. Some people would say, um, they would say that Jesus is a liar. Some people would say that, right? Some people would say that Jesus was crazy, right? Some people would say that Jesus is Lord, right? Some pe- people would say all kinds of things, right? When our cul- in our culture, here, here's one. This kind of goes along with what Pastor Bradley said, but they would say he was a good guy. He was a good guy. You know, he, he did good things for people, but that's it, right? He's just a good guy. And I think gen, that's probably the large majority. I, I would say it would take some pretty uh, large gumption. That's a word I learned the other day, gumption. It would take some large gumption for somebody to say that Jesus was crazy or that he was, you know, a bad person. I mean, nobody really ever says that, right? If you went out there to the mall or to wherever and you asked, hey, who, who do you say that Jesus is? A lot of people would say, well, he was a pretty good guy. You know, he, you know, he died on the cross and stuff like that. And, you know, he's a good guy. But Jesus then turns around and, because they give, they give Jesus an answer of, well, some people say, you know, Elijah or one of the prophets. Some people say John the Baptist. Um, and then he says, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? He turns the question on them. He says, who do you say that I am? You see, he makes this personal. That's what Jesus does with us. Jesus is not interested in what, uh, whenever whenever it, 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 it deals with your personal salvation, with your personal being, Jesus doesn't care too much about what you think other people think about him. He cares what you think about him. He cares about what you think about him. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And I believe, River Church, that he's asking us that very question this morning. And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. The first thing I wanted to bring out here today in this set of scriptures is that River Church, that we will never go anywhere, we will never do anything great for God if we don't get the right vision of Jesus first. We will never do anything great for the kingdom. We will never help anybody the way that we ought to. We will never do the things that we ought to and live the life that we have here on earth for God if we don't get the vision of Jesus right, if we don't get it right. Because if Jesus was just a good man, if he was just a good teacher, then we don't have to listen to everything he said. When he said to turn the other cheek, well, we can pick and choose when we want to follow his teachings. When he said give to the poor, you know, we can just pick and choose whenever it's convenient for us to follow it, right? But if we give the right vision of Jesus, 
Jesus. If we get the right vision of Jesus, if we look at that cross and we see that it is God Almighty on that cross as the atonement for our sins, but resurrecting on the third day with power and, and might, and that, that power is now available for you and I for life change, if we can get the right vision of Jesus, if we can see Jesus for who he truly is, then that will impact our lives and we will be changed forever. Amen? And I believe... I believe from testimonies of people who've been going here for years and people who've been going here for just a couple months that that's the vision that this church has. This church has that vision of who Jesus is. But the church has it. Do you have it? Do you have it? This church makes Jesus Lord. This church exalts Jesus as Lord. But have you exalted Jesus as Lord? Is he the Lord of your life? Because I'll tell you what, until he is the Lord of your life, until you have put all things aside, as you, until you have uh, thrown all the things aside that so easily beset us, as Hebrews says, until we throw those things aside and fix our eyes on Jesus, we're always going to be struggling. We like the Flintstones where they're, where, they're, where they're turning their feet but they're not going anywhere. You ever feel like that? When we put Jesus at the center of our life, when we get that vision of who Jesus is, everything changes for the better. And that's what happens here. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the guy. You're the Lord. You're the one, the son of the living God. You're the guy. See, Simon Peter, he didn't have everything figured out. Simon Peter was, a, uh, as, as uh, Dr. McDonald talked about last week, a smelly fisherman. He was a smelly fisherman. He was kind of a, um, a very aloof, kind of uh, always asking, you know, really stupid questions throughout the Gospels. And, you know, he didn't have a lot of things figured out. And I'll tell you here this morning, you don't have to have a lot of things figured out. Maybe you identify with Simon Peter. Maybe you smell. Uh, or maybe you like fishing. Or maybe both, right? Um, just kidding. But maybe you find yourself as being, you know, you just think, I don't have much to offer. I don't, I don't know a lot of things. I'm not a very skilled person. Uh, I don't got a lot of money in my bank account. I'm not a, very, a person of prominence. Simon Peter wasn't either. He didn't know a lot of things. He wasn't a very smart guy. But in this moment here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he knew that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And I want to tell you that if you don't know anything, if you don't know up from down, left from, left from right, sideways from backwards, if you don't know anything in life, if you don't have any money in your bank account, if you have a Bad health report, but you know that Jesus is Lord. That's all that matters. Amen. That's what matters. That's, I mean, really, at the end of the day, is that if we, if, we, if we put Jesus first, that is what matters. And Simon Peter, he knew that. He's probably feeling pretty good about himself. When Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon, son of John. You're blessed. Jesus is like, you're right. You got it. But then Jesus humbles him a little bit. My Father in heaven is the one who revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. It was God who revealed it. It was God. And it's always God. And it's always been God and always will be God. You see, there's not, this, is, this is not one of the points I wanted to bring out here, but this is, this, is, this is something I want to say and interject here. Here at the River Church, we're not coming with cleverly devised words or, or cunning, cunning messages of, of swift, you know, per, persuasive speech. You know, we're not coming up here and, and saying things. And we, we, don't, we don't know how to talk. We've never been properly trained in preaching classes or anything like that, you know. No, we're not coming up here with any sort of persuasive or good-sounding words. We're just preaching the message that exists. And what Jesus is saying here is that you didn't learn this from a human being, Simon. You learned this from the Holy Spirit. And this message that we preach here at this church, the, the foundations of this church are not from some cleverly devised persuasion tactics of man. 
But it is the Son of the living God and His Holy Spirit that reigns forevermore and that exists in this church and operates in these altars every Sunday, in this worship set every Sunday as we lift up the praises of God. It's His Spirit. It's not by might, not by power. To use this, to use this here, it's not by persuasion or cunning tactics. It's by His Spirit. It's by His Spirit. And that's what this church has been and always will be built on. And I give you permission that if this church is ever not, not, not operating under the principles of Christ, or the leading of the Holy Spirit, you have my permission to walk out that door and never come back again. Because we always want to be operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. And Simon Peter here is revealed this message by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, you're blessed. You're blessed. He says, verse 18, now I say to you that you are Peter. It's translated here. Other versions say Cephas, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A couple things out of this scripture here. You know, Jesus oftentimes wonder why he couldn't just stay around forever, right? Right on up to Rome, make himself king, and, uh, and everything would be fine and dandy, wouldn't it? Jesus would be king, be, you know, ruling the world. Everything would be pretty good, right? But he doesn't do that. In another spot, he tells his disciples, he says, it's better off that I leave you because in my place I will send the Holy Spirit. He says, I will send the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you were there in that situation, you heard them say that it's better off if I leave you. You say, no, Jesus, don't leave. It's, it's not good that you go. We want you to stay here. But in fact, it is better that Jesus left because he sends us his Holy Spirit. And now where there was one son of God, there are many sons of God, many daughters of God. Amen. Where there was the one son of God, God has, has grown this family to be millions upon millions of people across the earth that, that claim that Jesus is Lord. And what I want to take here from verse 18 listen here now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock and upon this rock I will build my church upon the rock of Peter a smelly fisherman Jesus builds his church upon the rock of an imbecile somebody who didn't know left from right upside upside down from 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 straight he built his church and furthermore he built his church on a human with a human, with human hands. And that is how God has always done it and how God is always going to do it. Amen? We, talked, we prayed this morning. Amy and I prayed for the city of St. Joseph. In the city of St. Joseph, we wish God would come down and part the heavens and just make everybody stop acting so stupid, right? But sadly, he's not going to do that. But what he's looking for is for the church, looking for his people to roll up their sleeves and to go and do the work of the ministry, to go do the work of kindness, to go do the work of joy and peace, to go do the work of spreading hope to people who have none. That's what he is looking for, and that's how he's always going to operate. I'll tell you this, and I'll tell you in the future, and we'll continue to tell you, that God never operates in this world without the working of a human hand that he can come in conjunction with and make it happen. It's always going to happen that way. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. He's always looking for people that will say, here I am, send me. And here at the River Church, I'm looking at a room full of people that have raised their hands and said, God, here I am, send me, use me, whatever way possible. Whenever we have a food kitchen, whenever we have a need in the church, or whenever we have a pastor's appreciation Sunday, you guys answer the call uh, with, with such generosity and such, such fervor for the kingdom. And this is how God moves. He's looking for men and women 
that he can build his church on. It started with Simon Peter, right? But it didn't finish there. Thousands upon thousands of years where God has been building his church. He's been building his church. Second thing I want to take from verse 18. There's about five things from this verse I want to take. Jesus says, I say to you that you're Peter, the rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, Jesus says. I will build my church. This isn't Bradley's church. It's not my church. It's not Pastor Sharon's church. It's nobody's church's church but Jesus. Pastor Jim Simbola, he says, I get tickled when these pastors talk about their five-year, ten-year plan. They talk about their plan, about how they want to run their church. But that's the, the funny thing about it is it's not their church. It's his church. Amen. It's not our church. It's his church. And whatever he wants to do, we're going to do it. Whether he, if he wants us to start a new ministry, we're going to start a new ministry. If he wants us to stop a ministry, we're going to stop a ministry. If he wants us to do this, we'll do it. If he wants us to do that, we'll do it. Right? Because it's his church. It's his church. And for those of you in here that are new, this is the good news. It's not our church. It's not our church. Because if it was our church, if we're being honest with ourselves... We might set some limitations. Hello? We might set a guest list. We might have Paul stand back there with a list and say, "Mm, looks like your name's not on here. (laughs) See you later. Sorry. VIP only, right? That's the good news is that it's his church and not our church. Because if it was our church, we might have some stipulations to meet. We might have some requirements. We might have some things. But it's not our church, it's His church. And Jesus says, whosoever will come. Whosoever will come. That means, and we've said this before, Bradley said this before, and I stand behind this, that if somebody came in here that was an ex-murderer, are we going to let them run children's church? No. But we will accept them and welcome them in and invite them to receive Jesus. Amen? If we have... If we have somebody that comes in that is homeless and that, that maybe is going through some hygiene issues, they haven't taken a shower because they don't have a place to take a shower, right? We, they come in. We treat them like Jesus. James talks about this a lot in the book of James. I think it's chapter, uh, it's like either three or four, where he talks about, suppose you had someone that comes in here wearing fine clothing and uh, they've got a little money in their wallet and they've got a lot of prominence and power. And you say, you know what, here, come sit here at the, the very best spot in the house. You know? And then suppose somebody else walks in that is you know, raggedy clothes on and they smell and, and nobody even turns their way. Isn't this showing favoritism, James says? There's no place for that in the kingdom, Right? That's the beauty of what Jesus is doing, though, because it's not our church. So get that out of, your, out of your mind. If you come here and there's somebody that you don't like that comes here, well, it's not your choice. It's his church, not our church. It's his church, and whosoever will come, they are welcome. Anybody, anybody that wants to come, truly anybody, we welcome them because it's not our church. We don't set the guest list. It's his church. Amen. Amen. And furthermore, with that, the fact that it's his church and not our church means that there's real power behind it. There's real power. Have you ever started doing something in your life where, you know, let's say uh, it's maybe a workout regimen or a, um, you know, a new habit that you want to read. You know, everybody gets all fired up in the beginning to do it, right? They always, they always get fired up and they start going. And somewhere along the way, it just kind of peters out. 
You know, it just, you can't really put a, put a, put a, a, a point on it, but somewhere along the way, you just kind of lost it, right? And if that was the case with the church, if this was our church and not God's church, if this was our church, you know, we would come in here and we would get real excited for certain Sundays. You know, maybe we had a, a nice uh, friends and family Sunday last Sunday, right? And we had a nice Sunday and we got real excited about what God was doing. And that excitement carried us for a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months if we're lucky, right? But then eventually there was some fighting in the church. There was some strife in the church. There was some issues in the church. And somewhere along the way... People just started leaving. They're like, oh man, where's everybody going? And that fervor, that excitement is gone, and it's petered out. Right? And then, it, and then obviously, it's a, sorry, it's, a sad, it's a sad story, but all too often in churches, church splits will end up to the whole church dying altogether. Right? But here at the River Church, it's not our church. And so it doesn't rely on our strength and on our effort, on our principles, on our, our goodness. It's His church. And so what does the Word say here? Get this in your soul here, River Church, verse 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are in a house this morning. We are with people this morning. This church has been built in such a way that we, we are here this morning and that the gates of hell will not come against it. And so if you come in this place and you try to bring some of the gates of some of the powers of hell with you, let me tell you, it's not going to stand in this church because it's his church and not our church, right? And so there have been times where there's been some quarrels, some division, right? There's been some smoke, not yet fire, but it's a little bit of smoke. And so what do we do? What do we do? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we just address it. We just address it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is building his church here. And the things that the enemy throws against you, the things that the enemy throws against your family, the things that the enemy brings against you in your workplace, or it's your doctor, or whatever it is, the things that come against you, this is a house, this is a haven, amen? This is a safe place. It's a sanctuary. It's a place where we can come and receive from the presence of God, receive from the Spirit of God. We can come in here and the things that the enemy, the, 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 the arrows of the enemy that are fired at us, the things that come against us, we can come in here. And this is a safe haven. This is a place in which we can come and receive from the hand of God and the powers of hell have no place in our life because we come here and we meet with Jesus. That's what it is. We come in here and we meet with Jesus. And the powers of hell will not conquer it, will not prevail. Isn't that good news? You know, sometimes I think evil, you know, feels like it's won. Feels like it's won the battle, right? Sometimes evil feels like they've won the battle. But our God is victorious over the war, amen? Amen. He's victorious over it all. That when it's all said and done, and whenever God is done doing what God will do, everything will be under his feet. Amen? Amen. Everything will be under his feet. And that power, that power is available here and now. And Jesus says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Will not prevail against it. Will you just claim that over your family? Will you just claim that over your situation? Or will we just, will we just take a moment right now?
Lord, over every situation, every circumstance in which people are just going through it, God, whether it's a family issue, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a marriage relationship, maybe it's a, a financial situation, maybe it's a, their own doing, or maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a, a, a substance abuse, maybe it's something where that they have dug themselves in a hole, but where we know that the powers of hell will not prevail against it. We know that this is a house of deliverance, a house of miracles, and Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just ask for a deliverance over those people. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Just had to stop there because this is a house of miracles, amen. This is a house of deliverance, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Last verse here. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that nice? I don't know if anybody in here ever got the keys for the first time whenever they're 16. Now let's go, right? Jesus says, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. A lot of people have taken that scripture to mean all kinds of, you know, weird things or, or, or kooky things. But what I want to tell you this morning is this, is that you carry a power from another world. If you're in here and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have made him, like I said earlier, the Lord of your life, you have that correct vision of Jesus that you have placed him in the, in the proper place in your life, the Holy Spirit's power is available to you. And what Jesus says here, that anything that you forbid in, uh, heaven, or on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Anything that you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. You have a power that you carry with you as you walk this life. You have a power, a victory that you have. A power. Not your own power. It's not our own strength, our own way of being. It's God's power in us. Amen? Amen. And so, I told you all it was going to be short this morning. Uh, my other message was going to be short too. But what I wanted to say, really the scripture that I was sitting there came to my mind, was that God is building his church here. Amen? And so, you know, you could honestly say that pastors are just a reflection of their people. They really are. We are no greater or better than anybody else. But it's you guys. It's the church. It's what God is building, the people that are here. This Holy Spirit that is in you, that's empowering you to live out in generosity and kindness and joy and peace with the world around you. That's God. That's all God. And so to him be the glory. Amen. Amen. To him be the glory. Because it's his church and he's building it. Hallelujah. All the works of the enemy, the evil in your life, the evil that, the kind of the d stupid divisions that we have amongst ourselves, none of it, none of it will stand. No. None of it will stand. He's conquered all of it. And so as we walk in him and we walk in his victory, he'll lead us, he'll guide us. And so this is, if anything, just a... Um, I thank you. I thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being obedient. None of us in here have done anything. We're just being obedient to what God is already wanting to do. We're just allowing him to do it in us. And so thank you for being obedient. And um, there's, you know, if we went around, if we, if we got up here now and spoke to each and every one of you about how you guys have changed our lives, man, God is doing something great here. Amen. He's doing something great. And he deserves all of the glory. He deserves all the glory. With that being said, let's give him glory. Let's go into a time of communion here. I'm going to ask if the band would come back up just for a final, final song. And I'm going to ask if, um, Sam, will you and Oscar pass out the, the communion?
They're going to pass that around, and then we're going to wrap up here.